ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. She's like a mum who's never been to the city and she's lost. She's lost all the time. On. Hello, Zan. Guten Tagen. Ooh, hello. Good, guten Morgen. Someone's being transcontinental. Guten afternoon. No, not really. I flew to Sydney <laughs> Intercontin- yesterday. Intercontinental. <laughs> Went on a trip. Yeah. Did you get on the? Did you get on the plane? Just did to you? Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> Went on a journey. It's like a bus, though, isn't it? The Melbourne to Sydney route. Yeah. Very much like bus activity. It is bus activity. Mm. Although it still takes seven hours, even though you think it's just a quick trip up to Sydney. You oh, got, it's a five-hour round you gotta trip. You got to pack. You got to get to the airport. Yeah. Got You got to spend some time in the lounge. Yeah. <laughs> eating a toasty. Um. And can I say, the key to the cheese toasty. Oh, here we go. Is. This is in the la- if you're in the lounge and you get to make a toasty. If you if you're a frequent flyer like ourselves, mm. um, not that we're up ourselves, it's just that we fly a lot. Or you're a plus one if you're lucky yeah, enough to get one. a little voucher. And you get to make a toasty. What you do? One layer of cheese, and then you put your if you have ham, have ham or tomato or whatever, and then put two layers of cheese. So three slices maketh the toasty. Don't just muck around with one slice. I love this. Three. It I would have cha- gone two, but you're leaning into three Leaning into three. It, look, you have to hide it when you're going with the tongs <laughs> so people can't see. I often find it easier to start with one so it looks like, and then you just take, look, and then you put your tomato on and your, your ham and a bit of salt and pepper and a bit of combo mayo and um, mustard. And then you go, you go to go, I'll oh, put another slice on the top so it's like a sandwich of cheese. And they go, oh, whoops, I took two. <laughs> I'll just have to have it. But three slices of cheese maketh the toasty. I've tripped over and I've made myself a triple cheese toasty. Whoopsie daisies. And that's why I look like I do. (laughs) (laughs) How's your week been? Comfort food. Uh, Week's been good. It's been um, busy but good, fulfilling, happy, still getting over a little kind of rusty cold but just kind of more got the sound of it than the actual feeling. Yeah. But things are good. Filmed another episode of Take Five this I week. That's why that. I was in Sydney. At the beautiful Enmore Theatre. Oh my god! You know. Okay, so just as an aside, I can't tell you who's going to be in the series yet, but very, very soon we'll be able to share it. But the filming at the Enmore was just so beautiful because I lived in Sydney for like fourteen years, mm. and it is one of my favourite venues in Australia. Like it's just so glorious. If you've never been, it's kind of like the Astor Theatre in Perth or the Forum in in Melbourne. It's a gorgeous theatre space, and it's recently been refurbished mm. and they've decked it all out with these incredible LED lights. So just these colourful lights, and it looks so schmicko. But we were getting a whole bunch of photos while we were there as well for the show, and um, our amazing. Production manager Dorothy basically sweet talked the person who was managing the Enmore that day, who was letting us in and stuff, and convinced him to change the lettering out the front. So, oh! Hockey Dad are playing this Friday night, and they just briefly took it down. And for a few hours, headlining the Enmore <laughs> Theatre in Sydney was Take Five with Zanro. And you know how you're like, sometimes you just kind of regress and you're like, this is like a dream come true. Oh, this is one of the greatest so things great. that's ever happened in my it's life. It's so great. <laughs> well, it's it's like full, it's a full circle moment, isn't it? Yeah, because it's yeah. like these are the places that are like, these are hallowed ground. Like, yeah. you know, gig venues are hallowed ground. Absolutely. And there's my name up. If for a few hours and just for TV, just for fancy stuff, uh, it's up there. I've got but to the, say, we did two weeks Oh, we did a two weeks residency for the Spicks and Specs live show. We we're doing two shows a day. It was like one of the best times of my life. I remember it significantly. But did they tell? Did you meet the ghost? Is there a ghost There's in the Enmore Theatre? There's a Enmore ghost Theater? in the Enmore. I wish I had. And they sit up the top, 
in apparently in the seats in the top level. Uh, that's up to the top right, I think, if I remember correctly. We were up there filming. Yes. So whoever <laughs> they might be, we're hopefully Did watching. you see the ghost? I didn't ever see the ghost, no. But I did fall over and I blamed the ghost. Live, <laughs> I fell over live on stage. And the Athenaeum, where I am at the moment with Rocky Horror, also has a ghost and her name's Roberta. Roberta? I know, isn't how it do, How do they know her name's I Roberta? I don't know, but apparently Roberta <laughs> talks to people in sometimes in the lighting booth. Um, and Roberta is, there's a photo of a bunch of women who were original theatrical players back in the olden days, whenever the Athenaeum began. Yeah. And there's a bunch of women, there's like 20 of them, wearing these amazing collared jackets and one of them is apparently Roberta. Oh, my gosh. I know. And I'm desperate to meet Roberta. Sometimes I talk to her, but I think that might be just because I'm going a bit nutty. <laughs> I say, Roberta, have you seen that? Are you into this? <laughs> I feel like uh, when ghosts are hanging around, they're good ghosts, right? It's just like this, totally. was, this was my golden moment. This was my heyday. I'm going to hang out at the Athenaeum because this was like the peak of my life. Mm. Roberta was hitting the highest of the highs and she's just going to live there yeah. in the ever after. Yeah, and she's enjoying, she's basking in your glory <laughs> and your glow. And I love that. Imagine just going, I'm just going to hang out with some cool people Yeah, yeah forever. Totally. I love that. <laughs> See some gigs for free. <laughs> Prime seating every night. I'm sad you didn't meet the ghost. I didn't either. So. I'm kind of glad that I didn't know about the ghost, to be honest. It would have been distracting if we were up there because I was up there by myself a little bit too. Oh, no, nah, it's fine. I feel like they were there. I'm not anti-ghost. I love a ghost. Mm. Uh, Bang On is your one-stop shop for music, art, life and stuff. And this haunting week's stories. This week's stuff is ghosts. <laughs> 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 Wrapping up the week uh, for you, all the things that you don't have time to catch up on. And I feel like that was never more true than this week, which feels like it's been a, a furious amount of screenshotting and sharing of text messages of one Jonah Hill. Yeah. What's been going on with Jonah and his ex-girlfriend, Sarah Brady? This is pretty bleak, this story. Uh, Sarah Brady shared some text messages between them. And I think we can probably not go into all the details of the text messages, but what they described, and this is one of them, and I'll read one out for you. Whether or not you, you think sharing text messages is ethical or not, that's that's a different thing. I think we have a lot to learn from this particular message that was shared by Jonah. And this is one of many. So it was all laid out there. Uh, it was never said specifically it was him, but there was a photo of him on the top of the text messages. So mm. um, you could pretty much put two and two together given they had been together. She's a professional surfer. He took up surfing or became a surfer and they met he he followed her on instagram i think and that's how they met he sent a message to her saying plain and simple if you need and he's written a list surfing with men boundaryless inappropriate friendships with men to model which is what she does to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit which is what she'd always done because she's a surfer also do whatever she wants and that's her uniform for work yeah to post sexual pictures. Now, sexual pictures are in the eyes of the beholder. Mm. So he is implying there that she is posting sexual pictures. Friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or a coffee or something respectful. I, he's then gone on to say, I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for a romantic partnership. 
boundaries. That's not boundaries. That's rules. That's rules. That's control. That's control. And that's coming in and telling you everything that you do or did when I met you, you can't do anymore if you want to be in a relationship with me. That's putting an ultimatum to her and trying to control her her behaviour. Boundaries are something that you impose on yourself, Absolutely. not on others. No. If you're imposing something on others, that's a rule. That's the difference, right? That's the key difference here. And man, people called it out and then some. Oh, absolutely. I, I, and surprisingly, there were a lot of people saying, oh, no, he's just expressing his needs and blah, blah, blah. It's like, nah, this is controlling behaviour. Yeah. This is telling someone who's been doing this for a long time that she shouldn't be doing it anymore. And frankly, I was offended. Friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or a coffee or something respectful, that's lunch with me. I would not be allowed to have lunch with her. If we were friends because of some shitty boyfriend who's 13 years older than her and, you know, I feel like she's still trying to work out stuff in her life and he's nearly 40. Yeah. I don't know. It's sus. Also that use of therapy speak, which we talked about a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago on Mm. Bang On. There were some great articles about that. But just what it does when people use therapy speak and particularly people who aren't therapists or aren't qualified to do it and just throw it all around it's weaponizing therapy with speak. We- exactly and confusing and discombobulating to the person who's receiving it unless they have a clear understanding of what that language means and Jonah has a very clear understanding because have you seen that series on it's on one of the streaming services I think it's Netflix I'm not sure um, where he basically he discusses issues with his therapist yeah and I've watched quite a few of them. I, I, I sort of watched it in the background. I didn't watch it. They take on whole clearly. new meaning watching that now after all this week. Absolutely. So he is very, very familiar with therapy speak. So much so he's made a television show. And if you've made a television show, as you have, you know the minute detail and the concentration on everything that goes out and that is put to screen. So he is well aware of what he's doing. Yeah, do you think that, like, I just want to play a devil's advocate and just... I think that what he's doing is messed up. Mm. Do, do you think he understands that? Do you think he's so deep in this language and this viewpoint that he actually sees what he's doing as controlling behaviour? And I'm not in any way no. excusing what he's doing. When you see the pages and pages, and yesterday it was the same again, there was another mm. ream of text messages and screenshots that Sarah Brady released and it's just unrelenting. And at no point does he seem to understand that the language he's using is controlling and mm. some would say abusive as well and that his behaviour is wrong. And I'm not saying that that in itself is excusable mm. either, but I'm just kind of like from a point of like just shaking him and going, do you yeah. even get this? Yeah. Like are you so far in this and so far up oh, your look, own arsehole? You've, you've probably got a point. Do you even understand why this is a problem? He and thinks then, he's right. And then I that goes, feel. I mean, you see that in the comments too of people, men and women, both responding in different ways and kind of in ways that support Jonah and kind of go, I don't see a problem with this. Like it's entrenched. This sort of stuff's entrenched about Mm. how people feel they can control others. And it's often the case of men controlling women in relationship, not always, but it's often that case. It's really entrenched, isn't it, in the way that we, we treat each other. It is a sad indictment on where we are at at the moment. Well, you said that when you were posted this, because we both posted this in our little bang on Google Doc and um, we'd both done it at the same time. And, and I think what you actually wrote was proof that men are getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. Because <laughs> that's true. Like you see this happening. You're like, yeah. we, we have such a, it feels like many, many times we have this free and open discourse on 
you know, how we live in a patriarchal society, how things are changing, how things are not changing. But like there seems to be an open discourse. And then you see something like this happen this week and it is something that's being played out on social media and with a lot of TikToks and a lot of people's hot takes and a lot of people using their own therapy speak to to disseminate it and, and describe it and understand it as well. But you kind of think, fuck, are we still back here? Mm. Like, I think we are. But that's depressing, Niv. I know. <laughs> where, where, how do we end this? <laughs> this conversation or this patriarchy? All of it. It's just like... All of it. Well, one of the other things that well, was... Well, I think by sharing this stuff to show and to illustrate as much as it may be damaging to the both of them, you only learn by illustration... And a lot of younger women, I hope, will see this. And it does clearly illustrate somebody who's putting a boundary on another person. I think that the strength that Sarah Brady has shown, again, someone who's in their 20s still and is sharing this. I went onto her Instagram before coming in here today and she's posted a couple of things basically saying lay off. Like she's getting abused left, right mm. and centre. The, the power that she has in, in, in sharing this and the and the strength that she has in, in battling off these mm. people is incredible. So hats off to her. I'd say, but she's, I'd say she'd have to be lawyered up at this stage. It's just like it's true though. She's giving a voice to something that I think is often contained within these text messages, within these private conversations, this subtle control and alleged abuse that mm. happens within so many relationships that when you're in them, you don't quite, it just, it's, it's insipid. It creeps up slowly yeah. and you can't just go, oh, that's fucked. We're breaking up because it creeps and grows and grows. And then before you know it, you're in this thing where you're manipulated. It's manipulation mm. into feeling like you're the person who's doing something wrong here. Yeah. So I'm glad that she was able to bust out of that that reverie, that, you know, that, that state um, and, and be able to see clearly that this was a, a fucked situation. And I'm sure in doing that, she's been able to show many other women that if they're being spoken to this way, then it's not right as well. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I'm free for lunch if she's ever, <laughs> she's ever up for it. There's a lot of women like me out there who are free for lunch too. We'll fill your time if you're the best fun less. ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's the song that's been in my head all this week, thinking about Threads, Miff. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought you were talking about Girl Dinner, which we'll be going to talk about very, very soon. Spread! Girl Dinner's a spread, but we'll get more into that. <laughs> Bring a plate, a nice spread. Um, it's a coverall, that song, isn't it? It's great. It's good for everything. Cast were great. <laughs> Showing my age. Gosh, that were great. But the reason I threw that in today was because Threads is a new social media network that we all have to be on. Yeah, How fun. Yeah. How fun. <laughs> Just got another fucking thing to look at. Oh, God. Another bit of work to do while I'm at home. It's feeling bad about not posting and still never posting anything ever. Because I, I got on there, I thought, oh, well, here we go. It is, um, it's an offshoot of Instagram. Meta has now got Threads. It's a Zuckerberg invention. It's basically Twitter. He's a vulture picking at the carcass of Elon Musk's Twitter. Because everyone is hating Twitter and they've all disappeared. And I think I, we spoke about it last week. It's not fun anymore. There's no. nothing fun. There's no good retweets. I'm not going on for lols anymore. And it's not. I'm not even getting breaking news, which is essentially what I loved about Twitter. Mm. It's just, I don't know, It's got. It's even the colouring of it is, 
it's it looks like a little bit right wing to me. It's got a right wing feel, and I don't know what that vibe is aesthetically. If anyone can let me know, is there a particular font, or is it is there a particular type of colour coding that makes me feel like it's gone right wing because that's what it feels like. So Thread started and I've gone, you beauty. And apparently in the couple of days since it's launched and 100 million people also said, you beauty, let's try. I was really pleased and I thought, oh, everyone from Twitter that disappeared is now on here. And I was like, oh, this is fun, this is fun, this is fun. First day, had a look, had a look. Second day, posted one thing and then went, oh, I'm not going to be fucked with this, am I? I'm going to, it might look a bit, but I'm just going to lose interest pretty quick. So it, it could take over from Twitter. There have been concerns about privacy. In the last couple of days, uh, there's been a real question around the levels of privacy of threads. I'm not exactly sure of what that argument is, but I think in in some countries they haven't allowed threads because there's, there's a lot to be still worked out about the stuff that you're sharing and the legalities of it. So it might be worth looking into before you sign up. I, I of course, didn't look into that. Oh, I've got, no, I've except got all nothing. terms and conditions. I've, no. got, I've got nothing <laughs> private. Nothing <laughs> private. But I, I look, I love to see everybody that I've missed from Twitter on there all having a chat, talking about stupid things like it back in the early days of Twitter, you know, little offhand comments and not too much seriousness around it. It felt light. It felt conversational. It felt like fun. Town Square. Yeah, a little bit more Town Square. G'day, how you been? What's been going on? Mm. Love this. But also now I'm just like, oh, God, another one. And I felt sorry for social media producers this week because now they've got yet another platform <laughs> that they've got to put content on and I'm just exhausted by it all to be honest. It's a longer to do I've list. I've got nothing left to say. I say it to you <laughs> in Bang On and that's all I want. I don't need any more outlets to have a view. I'm done. I, I'm done with my views and I'm done with yours. You are a rare bird in Australian media. <laughs> I'm just, I'm exhausted by you all, but I love it and I'll read it, but I can't, I just don't have anything to say myself anymore, even though I'm having a say now. This is your platform. It is my platform. This is it your thread. Safe. It feels safe because Bang Fam are awesome. Bang Fam get us. Yeah. Uh, it's been a pretty happy place, though. I did start seeing... Are you on there? You're well, yeah, on there. Well, yeah, of course. You know, I just jumped on because all the same reasons that you said. But uh, someone told me that there weren't going to be any... Ad- there wasn't going to be any advertising for the first year. Bullshit. And it, it, anybody, well, <laughs> anybody who uses Instagram knows that your feed is more and more, I would say, 60% or more is accounts I don't it follow sucks. or or ads Absolutely or both sucks. Um and so it won't surprise me if you know threads goes the same way but I am getting people just like responding to my tweets with their own ads so all those bots I've got so many friggin bots on Instagram that whenever I post something just posting this bullshit like bot response about how I got rich with this person's help and it's just like okay delete 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 yeah. they, all those bots have come over from Instagram to threads to oh, me so that's fun that's not fun I replied to one on our minties I don't want to get rich quick no I don't I replied to one on our minties thread I had fun with it that was something like such and such is such a great person made me discover my path. I made loads of money, and then I wrote at the I, I wrote replied right. Did did she like minties? Did she like minties? <laughs> Only three people like that, but I, I mean that's that's about the the extent of my posting these days. <laughs> Replying to a bot, does she like minties? I think a few people who have felt the full force of trolls and abuse on Twitter will be um, saying sayonara. I look at you, every female journalist, Mm. news journalist in Australia. 
Um, I think that I saw Patricia Carvelis actually just post the other day on Twitter. All right, I'm out of here. I'm on threads. Bye. <laughs> I know. It's so depressing. But whether or not it becomes a community, given that you're just kind of following the people on Instagram, which I just will, like, I think a few people have said this, but it's a different language. Like a visual language is different to a, a Twitter language or a Facebook language. I have a different tone in all of those things. You can't necessarily just transfer it over and go same audience, same connections. The people yeah. I follow on Instagram are different to the people that I follow on Twitter and Facebook and vice versa. Those people who follow me are really different kind of mm. people. So I don't know if it's a, a direct crossover that you can just transport that whole audience to a text uh, form. A few people in the office have been saying <laughs> with a little giggle, oh, all the people that follow me on Instagram realise that my uh, Twitter voice is very different. <laughs> <laughs> Funnier or not as funny as on Instagram. Some people thrive in a visual medium. Some people thrive in a in a text medium. Um, yeah. And the two are very, very different. But we'll see. And I'll post a few things. I post bang on videos because they let me post longer videos than Twitter. So, um, yeah, like and subscribe. Follow us on threads is, yeah, in closing <laughs> is what we're saying, isn't it, Because we love all social media. I'm, look, Still I'm, not on TikTok, though. I'm on TikTok. I have never posted anything. Not one thing. You're a lurker. I don't even lurk, really. I just wait till it's three weeks old and comes on to Instagram Reels. It's like bang on. Yeah. (laughs) Here for you. TikTok, though, I do find everything that rises to the top because I read articles about it in newspapers Mm. online. That's how I access TikTok. Um, And I saw a phenomenon this week that a few people were talking about. Another food trend. TikTok's got a lot of fun food trends. Mm. Girl Uh, dinner. Yeah. What's girl dinner? Girl dinner is basically, it's a plate of things in your fridge. It looks like a cheese platter, essentially. Just stuff you've got left over that you've popped on a plate. Could be a bit of cheese left over, could be a bit of cold meats, perhaps some grated carrot, grated cut carrot, uh, tomato, whatever. It's just a plate, boiled eggs, plate of stuff. CBF dinner. Yeah, exactly. CBF dinner. That's what it is. Far better title than Girl Dinner. Why does it have to be Girl Dinner? Well, I think it's Girl Dinner because a lot of women are posting mostly about Mm. this because it seems to be a thing. From the articles that I've read about it, it's about celebrating dropping the mental load of having to prepare or put food on the table, you know, just going, ah, fuck it, whatever's in the fridge, I'll eat it. Mm. However... It's not nutritionally sound. I think the words that get used are nutritionally impoverished, uh, which is a great term. And some of these girl dinners are suspiciously low-cal, extremely oh, low-cal. Right. You know, and they're not covering the five food groups or anything like that. So it's it's a little bit diet culture mm. I think. Oh, I'm just a rabbit. I only eat this much. Nah, bullshit. When you've got a night off, get a pizza. Come on. <laughs> Come on, look, I'm not, this is not nutritionally good for you, so go and have something fun. It looks sad. Well, apparently pizza is boy dinner. Pizza, well, I must sauerkraut bo- and potato chips, according to TikToker Brian Lee, is boy dinner. Because then there's all sorts of other terms that I hadn't heard. White girl lunch, which is a can of tuna. <laughs> that <laughs> actually good. kind well, of fits. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Girl dinner. It's stuff from the fridge. It's leftovers. It's CBF dinner is what yeah, it CBF is. CBF dinner is a far better word for it. We need to and be on TikTok to start trends. It doesn't gender it either <laughs> and because I think these sort of things limit and put, again, put boundaries on 
certain things. You know, it says you, if you're a girl, you're a picky eater and you just like some, just a little taste of things here and there. Come on, eat that whole bowl of pasta and feel good. <laughs> yeah, I think that this girl dinner idea is just, it's CBF, but it's just boy dinner, girl dinner. No one can be bothered cooking when it's by yourself. That's mm. boring. No one wants to do that. The fact that it's a TikTok trend shows just how much time people are spending on social media. (laughs) Don't let me ever download TikTok, Miff. I won't. Sometimes I go there and I disappear for hours. Come back. I know. (laughs) And it's all pointless. Speaking of going down rabbit holes, Britney Spears has drawn us in over the last few years in her emancipation really and the free britney movement has of course resulted in her finally being released from that very long conservatorship and we are going to finally hear her side of the story just a couple of days ago it was announced that the woman in me a tell-all memoir is coming out on the 24th of october it's a year and a half since spears landed a Reported fifteen million dollar deal. Oh, God. Well, look, when I got offered a deal for my book, um... <laughs> your tell-all memoir about growing up in Redcliffs. <laughs> Far out, fifteen million. Pretty good. It's good, but then she's got a lifestyle to support. I endorse it. And heaps of people have been making money off her for years and years. Absolutely, so, make that um, coin. Come and collect, Ms. Spears. But yeah, it's going to be coming out later this year. It's pretty good, though. Looking forward to that. So, yeah, Bang Fam have been following um, the Britney Spears story, which is her life. She'll be Mm. telling her own story, as she has been through her social media a lot lately, um, among other things. And The Woman in Me is coming out later this year. Hey, I know we talk about Barbie a lot, but Jesus, why not? It's opening this week. It is a cultural moment. It's a cultural moment. It's one of the most anticipated films of the year. And one of the songs from what looks to be an incredible soundtrack dropped this week. Have you heard I'm Just Ken? Because I'm just Ken, anywhere else I'd be Ken. Is it my destiny to live and die a life of blonde fragility? I'm just Ken, where I see love, she sees a friend. What will it take for her? Gosling hitting the high notes. It's a Eurovision winner. That oh my God, song. it's, it's so Eurovision. It's changes. It's got the magnetic 80s guitar solo. It's awful. And it's got I terrible it. words. I'm just Ken and I'm enough and I'm just great at doing stuff. Poor Ken. It's good, actually. It's really good. Ken's going to be sidelined in this Barbie movie. None of the Barbies need Ken. Ken's just eye candy in the corner. They're fine without Ken. (laughs) Ken's desperately waiting for some sort of relevance in Barbie world. Yeah. Uh, And we're going to see that on full display when it opens this week. What a banger. I love it. I think it's a hit. (laughs) (laughs) Even on the red carpet because the big big LA premiere where people could finally see the film happened a few days ago – and there was one particular journalist who was asking all of the stars, what's your Kennedy like? And every one of the stars was just kind of like, oh, what's my Kennedy? It's like, well, I've got Barbie. 
Barbie energy. That is none of them wanted to talk about Ken's Ken. like you're missing the point. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's talk about Barbie. Yeah. Ken yeah, Ken's just over there, it's fine. Ken's Ken. over there. <laughs> oh gosh. I'd love to um one thing I did enjoy on threads this week, a lot of people posting On oh, threads you say? On threads, yeah. <laughs> I was on there a couple of times. Uh, there are a lot of people posting the difference between Barbie and Oppenheimer, the two movies that we spoke about last week coming out at the same time. Yeah. And they've posted a shot of Margot Robbie dressed as Barbie looking freaking amazing, you know, all pink and, and just, you know, looking fabulous and magnetic and you can't get your eyes off her. And then a screenshot of Cillian Murphy doing a Zoom call. <laughs> Just his face. Oh, it's awful. It's like, oh my god, that you could not get two polar opposite movies at the same time. I'll be watching them both next week. Exactly. Barbie on Monday, Oppenheimer on Tuesday. Yeah. So next week's bang on, I'll be able to give you my uh, Barbie Heimer or Oppeny. Nah, Barbie Heimer's better. Yeah. Uh, reviews on on Bang On. Before we get into what we're banging on this week, though. Oh, you got some fashion oh, for me. Yeah, Man, men, male fashion. Man fashion. It could be for everybody. Yeah. I don't like to gender fashion. Predominantly gentlemen might be delving into this new craze. Mm. But I think the style is certainly something that we can all aspire to. Oh, yeah. And all achieve. Going through the characters of Jerry Seinfeld and, of course, George and Elaine, the fashion cycle has finally discovered Kramer or perhaps rediscovered the fashion of Kramer. So apparently everyone's dressing like Kramer these days in the young folk world. Which at the time was kind of like 1970s slacks, polo shirts that were maybe polyester, sort of like printed polo shirts with the collar and stuff, uh, maybe some loafers. Is that the sort of vibe we're talking that about? That is the vibe. Um, well, it's sort of Don Draper on the weekend fashion, <laughs> those sort of shirts. 1950s was the style. It was as of if, course. It was as if Kramer was stealing from George's dad's wardrobe back in the day. And what happened back then in the 90s, we also embraced Kramer's fashion mm. and it made it very difficult for the stylist of the show to actually buy the retro fashion that they needed because it was coming from the 50s because everyone caught on. So they had to make their own fashions. So what's happening now is that kids are rediscovering the fashion of a time they don't even remember. Or no, that's fashion, is, though, isn't is, it? it? Absolutely fashion, but it it is. It's the it's the sort of more high waisted, slackier pants with a little bit more room in the crotch, especially perhaps a couple of pleats <laughs> shorter at the ankle. Of course, so you can show off the white sock and perhaps a chunky loafer, or a, but or a chunky shoe, just a second hand shoe, essentially, um, and worn with those collared shirts, but usually short sleeved, which were very fifties with a thin gold chain. Oh my God. Yeah, but it allows for sort of a bit more easy breezy casual wear that looks a little bit more stylish. It's a bit dad though, isn't Perhaps it? The thin it's very gold chain. dad. It's a little bit Sopranos dad. as well. Totally Sopranos. <laughs> it's normcore but for dads from the 50s. In New Jersey. And the 60s in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, yeah, It's it's got that vibe and um, it made me quite depressing though to read that, yeah, it's, it's from a generation that kids don't even remember. Because the 50s, I mean, what is that? That might as well be the Ice Ages. <laughs> it's almost 100 years ago. Yeah. 80 but years there's ago. But it's something about the character of Kramer too. Uh, there's a great article actually if you want to read up about it. It is uh, called Everyone's Dressing Like Kramer from Amanda Mull at The Atlantic. And Amanda suggests that Kramer, while 
Jerry and Elaine and George are all incredibly neurotic. I mean, it is the television show mm. about nothing, isn't it? Making something out of nothing. Yeah. And that is the entire premise. Kramer was the force outside who went where life takes him. So I think that's incredibly attractive mm. to younger folk in an increasingly neurotic world. And I like that idea that perhaps the spirit of Kramer is coming into us a little bit more in that, you know, like Kramer would be off doing, I think in the article they mentioned, you know, stealing lobsters from a from a, lo- a crayfish boat or something like that or just go and do something for an entire day. Whereas we don't do that stuff anymore. Everything's planned and organised and, you know, our phones have created this world where we're contactable all the time. Whereas Kramer would just fuck off and do whatever he wanted Kramer for Kramer was chaos. Yeah. And perhaps everyone's wanting a little bit more of that. Dress like Kramer, feel like Kramer. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here for it. And with that, what are you banging on about this week? <laughs> oh, speaking of dressing, goodness me, this documentary gave me so much joy because it dealt with the fashion of the 80s, but not in an ironic way. It was just celebrating the fact that these two made a statement with sport shorts, legionnaires, hats with yes. the flap at the back so you don't get sunburnt, um, all in fluorescent colours and super short shorts and that the, the people I'm talking about are wham. Oh, my God, yes. this documentary, I watched it over the little trip back and forth to Sydney and it is so good. Everyone's been watching this on Netflix this week. Oh, it's just pure joy. Or, uh, frankly, you know, the list of songs is huge and I'd forgotten how many yeah. huge hits Wham! had. But it charts from, I think it was Andrew Ridgely's mum's scrapbook, the s- different stages of the evolution of the group Wham! which was George Michael and Andrew Ridgely. And it it's just a beautiful dive into that simpler time, the 80s pop star world and a beautiful relationship between two people where clearly George was the talent, Mm. the incredible talent and Andrew was his best friend who did a bit of stuff and, you know, contributed in the early days but I think recognised very early that his, his skill was not at the level of George's. Went along for the ride and then they amicably broke up four years later. So it was a really short run Mm. but it charts there. Small initial success uh, and then basically world domination goes to China where they were the first pop band from a Western country to perform and appear. All very revolutionary. But they were a group at the time that were derided by anyone who decided that they knew anything about music because it was pop and it was considered disposable. But now we know they are incredibly constructed songs and George Michael is a once-in-a-lifetime songwriting genius. Yeah, you really got that from it, didn't you? Yeah. And it, it, he win, wins an award at some stage and Elton John the Ivan Novella, no, delivers award. it to him and it's just like he just feels... I'm getting feels goosebumps thinking about that time. Scene. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. But like, like you say, hearing those songs again and just the incredible tone of his voice, it's such a rich voice mm. and such a unique voice. It was just like... Yeah, blew me away, especially listening on headphones, watching it on, you know, kind of in this world. It just sounded so incredible. It's a beautiful documentary. It's beautiful. And uh, sadly, I read the reviews after I watched the show. And and I think I was just enjoying the ride when I watched it. But the reviews have been quite scathing. Oh, really? Yeah, of this documentary. Um, and, And as soon as I've read the points, I've gone, oh, yeah, that probably could have been looked into. So if you want something that is reasonably surface that doesn't really touch the sides in terms of um, I think the lack of voice of Pepsi and Shirley who were 
the backing vocalists and, and very strong contributors to the group. They, yeah. they really didn't feature at all in terms of having a voice. Mm. Um, and also apparently the China trip that they made, there is an entire film that's been made about that where some of this footage has come from. But the filmmaker hated them both so much and I don't know why because every bit of footage in that documentary suggests that they were just lovely and delightful to everybody. Um, but the documentary maker hated them so much that he died and specifically stated in his will that that film will never be seen. And this is actually probably quite an interesting film in terms of cultural relationships between different territories in the world at that time and what it was like going in. Um, so there's a whole lot of stuff that's not really explained and I get that but it's still such a gorgeous and joyful documentary. Uh, I, I'd say if you want to feel feel good and also celebrate the talent that is George Michael, please watch it. Was Andrew Ridgely involved in the making of it? Was I he? Don't know. Yeah, because I kind of think like it's, he must have been. Yeah, like I'm I'm banging on about some other. Netflix. There are a lot of these at the moment being made by the people on the inside, so it is possibly very much a view they want you to see. Particularly on Netflix, yeah. Taylor Swift's Stocko was yep. produced by her. Like, they, if you go in knowing that, then you can take it with a grain of salt. I think so. If Andrew Ridgely was involved, and and maybe I saw that somewhere then that gives you a context into the kind of film that it's made. And I think we've said this before, every documentary has an agenda and every documentary has a context. And when the person whose story it is is being shared, then that's absolutely going to have an agenda. Mm. So I'm banging on this week about two other docos that were on Netflix and I feel, I'm really, I love documentary film and I'm enjoying these character studies that are popping up all over Netflix at the moment mm. because I feel like where some some of their series aren't hitting as hard as they used to, some of these docos are just really great, mm. you know, hour and a half bits of entertainment. I finally caught up on the Pamela Anderson Still documentary. seen it. Well worth it. She's involved. Her son was one of the producers and that's a context that you should know but also I found it particularly as we were talking about Pammy and Tommy when that came out. Mm and the sex tape and just how that story was taken away from her and how she was framed. This is another one of those films like the Britney Spears film where you sort of look back and you go, oh, God, we were all part of this problem in the 90s and we all fed off it like ravenous wolves and seeing it from another perspective, i.e. Pamela Anderson's perspective, is a very different experience. But I also really enjoyed the three-part Arnold series Ah. on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I don't know if he was involved, though, because there's some bits in it where it's like, oh, that's interesting you're including that. They I'm glad you They talked about are. the groping of the, the employee and all that stuff. They do. So that's yeah. why I was like, okay. And, you you know, that's in the final episode. There's definitely you talk about the affair, talk about his uh, child that Maria Shriver found out about when the child was, I think, 11 years old. Um, that he'd had with the, an affair through an affair with the housekeeper. All that stuff's included. So I don't know whether he was involved or not. But I think he was. But I think that's it, that possibly could be testament to the type of person he is in that he's trying to tell us that he is growing and he accepts what he did yeah. and, and has perhaps remorse for it, but that you need to know the whole person. Yeah. You can't just... F- you can't wash over it coming from him. You can't wash over the the bad bits because these need to be acknowledged. All really interesting films, well worth watching, with the grain of salt that all the people who they're about yeah. are heavily involved in the film. Yeah. Um. But yeah, watch Pamela. You got to catch up on it, and and Arnold too. Like just yeah, good, okay. good, good little films. And in this age of feeling like there's so much content, and you don't necessarily want to dig into an eight episode series. 
little hour and a half, Doco. That's me. No I've worries. got time for that. Yeah. Done. It's like, perfect. Done. I've learned something. Yeah. From the person who made it about themselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Grain of salt. Uh, well, thank you for making sense of the week with me. I feel like I've been kind of in another planet today, this week. So sorry, Bang Fame, if I didn't quite make sense of my own arguments there. But I think I'm kind of feeling through a little bit of this week. That's all right. Yeah. I'm That's me of... every week. What are you talking about? <laughs> Shall we do it again next week? Why not? All right, babe. See you then. Bye. on. Hi, I'm Fazadraki, and if you like stories about people getting into trouble, taking risks, falling in love, making mistakes, getting out of trouble, then you should come listen to Days Like These. We've got stories of crime and redemption, near-death experiences, and a kid who just wants to swim really fast sat my parents down in a very official type meeting at the age of eight. <laughs> I told my parents wearing this blue ribbon, I've decided I'm going to be an Olympic swimmer. That's what I'm going to do with my life. Because it's obvious, you know, pointing to my blue ribbon, I'm good at swimming. That's Days Like These, and you can listen right here or on the ABC Listen app.